Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Winter Circle Podcast. This is episode 10. My name is Joshua Garman, and this is the place where people who love sports talk sports. So I am... I would first like to take this time to just basically say I'm sorry for the fact that this episode has taken so long to get out. Um, Mainly, it was just a matter of the fact that I felt like I needed to rush an episode to get out, and then I wasn't enthusiastic enthusiastic about putting it out, Um, and there was a lot of content that I had to cover. And I wanted to make sure I did it in a way that was not um, basically just like cheap and, and, you know, watered down. I wanted to, you know, do something that, you know, reflected my work ethic and um, just like, uh, you know, sort of, you know, to show that, like, I actually care about this stuff. It's not just me phoning stuff in, which is what it felt like when I was recording that episode, so I deleted it. Um, So we are going to talk about a lot of interesting stuff today. Obviously, March Madness is over. We are going to go over some of the most exciting moments uh, in that, whether my bracket was busted or not, which it completely was, and we'll discuss some of the places I went wrong and that sort of thing. Um, and then also, uh, we will talk about NFL free agency and the mock draft, and that was one of the most exciting things. So I think to begin, we are actually going to talk about NFL free agency first, so let me pull that up real quick. Um, so... We are going to do a little segment which I call NFL Free Agency Top or Flop. And uh, I'm just going to basically be discussing who I think did the best jobs in free agency, those who I would be considered tops. Um, As for those teams that I think would be question marks, um, which is sort of like middle ground, they might have had a good talent pool that they um, acquired during free agency, but just, there's still some unanswered questions about their teams. Um, and then we have the worst teams in free agency, which are the flops. So let's start with the tops. And to begin with, I am going to mention the New York Jets, which I think Mike McCagnan, who is their general manager, deserves a pat on the back after how he did this year in free agency. I think McCagnan and any of the other Jet staff who coaxed Le'Veon Bell, a transcendent talent at running back, uh, I think that they deserve a lot of credit for what they did because due to disagreement, he didn't play a single game in a Steelers uniform this past season. Um, They're worthy of the highest praise for this acquisition. Adding Bell, it's going to give them the Jets a fantastic runner who, in addition to that, can help open up the passing game even for more for Sam Darnold. We know that Le'Veon Bell not only can run the ball, but he has the ability to catch it, um, getting some of the wide receivers open. Um, Sam Darnold, he's now a one-year veteran who, I mean, he struggled at the beginning of his season, um, as any rookie quarterback who I think just gets thrown into the uh, beginning of the season is going to have issues. Um, But he slowly found his rhythm as the year went along. Um, And then speaking of the passing game, Darnold also has another option 
to throw to, given the contract that was accepted by former Washington Redskins wide receiver Jamison Crowder. Um, honestly, I'm going to need to watch a little bit more footage on Jamison Crowder. I did watch a highlight video of him. I was unfamiliar with him before. He looks like a pretty decent wide receiver uh, with good speed. Um, again, I'm not the most well-versed on him, so I'm not going to mention him uh, very much until I get more um, information on him, but I think that, you know, it's a good move by them, a uh, solid move, uh, considering the talent that was available. On the defensive side, the Jets got a solid physical linebacker in C.J. Mosley, who played for the Ravens, alongside Terrell Suggs, who also moved to the Arizona Cardinals. Why he moved to the Arizona Cardinals, that's beside the point but good for Terrell Suggs you know um good for the Arizona Cardinals who picked him up uh but we're talking about CJ Mosley um I think that you know that CJ Mosley was definitely influential in the success of the Baltimore Ravens last year um again he's another guy I need to do more research on uh I I watch foot a lot of football but I don't I mainly watch just teams that I like. I don't really get around all that much. And the Ravens are a team I like, but uh, that was mainly for, like, Lamar Jackson. Um, but I'm definitely going to be watching them a lot more now that they have Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas, who actually I was going to mention a little later on. But while we're at it, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, with the breakout year that the... Lamar Jackson had helping the Ravens get to the 2019 playoffs before being defeated by the Los Angeles Chargers, my favorite team. Uh, I apologize to Ravens, Ravens fans out there. I love your team as well. Um, and you guys beat us the a few weeks prior to this loss in the playoffs. Um, I'm sure the Ravens are excited with the acquisitions they made. To begin with, the Ravens locked in a deal with one of the biggest names in the market, inking a deal with Earl Thomas, who made it publicly known how eager he was to sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that much is a win for their organization, seeing as they weren't able to they were able to negotiate with Thomas, considering they were not his first option. In addition to this, they got Mark Ingram, who I believe was um, questioned for performance-enhancing drug use, which I do not approve of, but there are a lot of players doing it. Um, that doesn't give him a right to do it. It's just what he was suspected of. So, Mark Ingram, let's look that up real quick, because I want to make sure I have my facts straight. I'm not calling him out. Uh, yeah, he got suspended for four games. Um for using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, again, I don't approve of it. I think that he is going to be a powerhouse, though. Um, how his play might be affected by not having those performance enhancers, uh, I hope that he still plays extremely well. You know, um, I loved his career at Alabama, and I think that the Ravens, after, you know, what happened with Ray Rice and the whole abuse incident um they definitely need a running back and i think that mark ingram provides a really solid um player at that position um so mark ingram you know 
hats off to you. I hope that you stay sober of these performance enhancers. They are not good for your health. Um, so I just hope that you can play the game and play the game fairly. Um, and hopefully you can still perform at a high level. Um, so there's that. And then also in the AFC North, we have on my list of tops, we have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Cleveland Browns did stellar work during the offseason, off uh, snatching up potentially one of the hottest wide receivers in that given skill level and market marketability in Odell Beckham Jr., um, former New York Giant. Questions have been raised as to his personality and whether he will mesh well in terms of team chemistry with the likes of Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Juice Landry. Um, Baker being now a one-year veteran, I think very well for his first year um, with the Cleveland Browns. And I, he was not a guy that I was sold on at first, I will be completely honest. Um, then again, I didn't know much about him. So uh, there is that. I am actually a lot more well-versed in Kyler Murray this year. I did my research. Um, and, you know, I, I think that he's going to be good for that organization. It was a smart move on behalf of the Browns to see uh, beyond the whole attitude and everything um, that he brings to the table. Um, but I think that they are going to temper it right, especially with the new um, staffing change with Freddie Kitchens becoming the head coach. Um, so regardless of how well Beckham performs, he he is a big draw for a franchise that has been bottomed here for a number of years and is finally starting to develop once again. Finally, the Cleveland Browns made a solid addition to their team by signing defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson after his contract with the Vikings ran out. Um, that was a very good move because though he does not have a whole bunch of power, uh, well, excuse me, though he's not the fastest defensive lineman in the world, he is powerful and he has really good technique. Um, they also signed Olivier Vernon, who, if I remember correctly, he was, he was a lineman. I think he's a defensive lineman. Maybe he's an offensive lineman. Let me check really quick because uh, offensive lineman is a um, Achilles heel of mine in terms of people I pay attention to. Olivier Vernon, he's a defensive end. Um, so definitely their defensive line is going to be a lot better this year, um, especially now that they've kept Miles Garrett as well. Um and I think that they will be a contending team. Maybe not playoff material this year, uh, but they're certainly on the way up instead of down, which is a good thing. Their trajectory is going the right way. Um, so now we are going to talk about some question marks. Um, and I like these signings right here, but I still have some uh, concerns with what is going on. Um, and the first team is the Detroit Lions, my uncle's favorite team, Uncle Eddie. He uh, loves the Detroit Lions, as he does any Detroit team. Um, so the Detroit Lions had some successful talent that they acquired in free agency, including one of my personal favorites, former Miami Dolphin and Rams wide receiver Danny Amendola, and Patriots defensive end Trey Flowers. Uh, now, I think that uh, the Detroit Lions are going to be a very talented team this year. 
um, I am on the side of them being good as opposed to bad. Um, the question with the Lions is not whether Amendola and Flowers are skilled at their positions, but it's rather if the general management is going to do a sufficient job in drafting the necessary talent. That way, they don't have to shoulder a majority of the burden. Because I can see a situation where uh, the Detroit Lions, you know, they throw the ball to Danny Amendola maybe, you know, 20, 25 times a game. And, you know, the other receivers in that roster are getting maybe like uh, anywhere from like 3 to 10 a game. Uh, so, you know, you need to distribute the ball. He can't be your only option. And then with Trey Flowers is, uh, like, who else on that defense is going to, you know, help spark that team? Uh, is it going to be Darius Slay of the secondary? Uh, who else do you have on that team, really? Uh, so, I mean, I wish Matt Patricia the best, uh, for the Detroit Lions. I think they're a team that, much like the Cleveland Browns, you know, uh, I mean, I think that they are a step behind the Cleveland Browns at this point in their organization, um, where they are trying to rebuild right now, but they are just still looking for the right pieces, and I don't think they have them all yet. Uh, but I, I want all teams to be good, actually. Like, I am past the point where it's like, I don't want certain teams to do good. There is a team that, I mean, obviously many people don't really care for. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's the, uh, New England Patriots. Uh, but even at this point, I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't care. I just want everybody to be good. Everybody to be good, regardless of, you know, what team they are. I just want exciting football because that's what's best for the league. Um, so moving on, uh, another question mark, we are going to have the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and I say this because the Los Angeles Rams, uh, I, th I think they did a decent job in free agency. Uh, they dealt for former Jags quarterback Blake Bortles, who despite playing for a team who a few years back had a losing record, helped lead the Jags to the AFC Championship in 2018 which was a feat that was not accomplished since 2007 for that team. Um, which, if you think about it, 11 years, that's a really long time for your team not to be in the playoffs. Uh, this, we had the Rams sign former Ravens and Chargers safety Eric Weddle. Um, obviously, to me, if you know me, I like the Ravens and I like the Chargers. Uh, so him joining the Rams, I think, is awesome. I'm going to support him wherever he goes. Um, Eric Weddle, I think, will make a fine addition to the Rams secondary as he's a lockdown defender. You have him, you have Aqib Tlaib, who's coming back, uh, and I think that they are going to be really, really solid. Uh, finally, the Rams added former Packers linebacker Clay Matthews, who still has a knack for disrupting plays on offense. However, he has slowed down a little since he has increased with age. Uh, this is true of anybody. You're just going to get mm, a little bit... Uh, you're just sort of going to go a little bit down no matter your amount of talent. You're eventually going to run out of steam. Uh, so on a personal note, I think that this team has made some good moves in free agency, picking up some solidified veterans for a team of fledgling stars. You know, you got Robert Woods from USC, who I really like. 
Uh, you got Todd Gurley, who he wasn't 100% healthy in the Super Bowl, which uh, was a big reason that the loss, uh, that some people attribute the loss to. Um, in addition, you have the whole situation with the playoffs, with the call, the call that's going to be infamous in sport history as one of the worst calls ever uh, with that Saints and Rams game. But it's over now, so there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, so next on the question marks, uh, I have Raiders. And the reason I say this, they signed Antonio Brown for a very lucrative contract. Uh, with Be that as it may, he is a very talented player. I just think that he brings a whole lot of ego that is not necessary to this locker room. Granted, Oakland is very known for their swagger, so maybe John Gruden was particular in like, this guy is going to be the face of our franchise. Regardless of whether you like him or not, he's a very polarizing player. He is going to draw attention to our team, and I guess any publicity is good publicity in his eyes at this point. Uh, especially after losing Camille Khalil Mack, where he caught a lot of flack because he was their best player, um, and he ended up leaving to go to Chicago. Uh, so there was that, and there was Vontaze Perfect, who was the former Cincinnati Bengals linebacker, who I think is a good acquisition. I think there was some character questions with him, uh, when he first entered the league, uh, but there have, like, if you follow the NFL at all, there are a lot of situations where players are doing things that aren't necessarily good for them. So, um, I really hope that that is untrue of Vontaze Perfect. Um, and I hope that the Raiders can find success whatever way they can. They got, they got a lot of draft picks in this first round, so if they don't, if the free agency doesn't pan out for them, then maybe the draft will. Um, and then the worst teams in free agency flops, and I really only have one in this category because uh, I guess I like to be a little bit more of an optimist than anything. Um, the only real pickups that the New York Giants uh, made was the acquisition of Golden Tate, former fighting Irish superstar, Go Notre Dame. Um, and a 10-year veteran in the NFL. Uh, as well as Jabril Peppers from the Cleveland Browns, former former safety for the Browns. Um, I think, I mean, these are good additions, but I think that the team still needs a lot of help, seeing as they lost their best player in the secondary uh, safety, Landon Collins. He left the Giants for, the, for their NFC East counterpart, the Washington Redskins. Um... I think that also the loss of Olivier Vernon to the Browns is going to hurt them uh, pretty bad. Uh, so Eli Manning's getting up there with age. Let's hope that the Giants can draft a quarterback this year, maybe some offensive linemen. Really get that offense going and then hope that the rest will follow suit because Giants fans, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but you guys are not in a good boat right now. Um... Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about March Madness. So, after the outcome of this March Madness, which literally it should be called March Madness because I don't think anybody was expecting this one, I can't imagine many people with a bracket that wasn't busted. 
Uh, so a little personal anecdote. I actually had the privilege of attending the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, with my mom. Uh, I got to witness the LSU versus Yale game from the baseline. They were in Jacksonville this year, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I knew there was a potential for an upset as I studied Yale's players, and I was glad that I picked LSU last minute. Uh, Yale lost only by five points. They performed kind of badly in the first half. A lot of their shots weren't going down. Mie Oni, who is like their star player, was not um, executing. Um, and they just had a little trouble from the perimeter. Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, you know, Alex Copeland, he started off a little rough, and then second half he was draining threes. It's turned out to be a little bit too late. Um, so, uh, my bracket was no exception to the rule, as I previously explained, uh, that many people's brackets were busted. Though I did predict a number of games correctly, I couldn't anticipate the amount of upsets that transpired this NCAA basketball season. Um, I'm going to take a little sip of water real quick because my voice is getting kind of dry. Sorry about that. Um, some notable storylines included Auburn's unexpected but well-deserved win against pers- my personal favorite college basketball team, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, that game, I believe it was 97-85, the score... Um, I am going to check that real quick because I want to make sure I'm getting the right facts. I'm pretty sure I would remember that game, though. Ninety-seven, eighty. Okay, so we got beat worse than I thought. Um, but regardless... Uh, I definitely wasn't expecting, uh, and it was, you know, it was good for Auburn. I think they did a solid job, um, and it was definitely difficult for me to watch, um, one of their best players, Chuma Okiki, suffer that devastating injury to himself in the second half of the game, um. I I was very proud of our team for actually going to the side, uh, to the off the court and making sure that he was okay. Um, that like three of our players, Cam Johnson, there was, uh, I th- I think it was Kenny Wills, maybe I I don't remember all of the players that went over to help him, uh, but it showed a lot of character, uh, for our team, and I was very happy to see that, um, despite us losing so badly. Um, and to, and in addition to this, we had a heartbreaking loss that Purdue suffered to this year's national champion, the Virginia Cavaliers, uh, who, I mean, I was really hoping that Texas Tech could pull it out against them, but I guess not. Was it Texas Tech or was it uh, Auburn who played in the national championship this year uh, versus Virginia? I I didn't watch the game uh, that was sort of like at the point that I tuned out because I didn't really have any teams I was invested in at that point. Um, after the Boilermakers, uh, their boor- the Purdue 
Boilermakers, their Boilermaker in arms, Carson Edwards, drained 42 points against the Virginia Cavaliers. I went back and watched the highlight footage. It is unreal. Uh, that The highlights to that footage. Oh my gosh, that was such a stupid sentence. The footage of those highlights. Um, so, basically, uh, 42 points against the Virginia Cavaliers. Very well done, um, even though they couldn't pull it out against them. Um, that guy... He, I bet he is going to the draft, and he is going to be a very desirable candidate um, in the draft this year. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have the Michigan State Spartans beating Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and the rest of the Duke roster by a single-point margin, only to later be beat by Texas Tech in the next round. Um, now, I mean, like, Texas Tech was really, like, the the last hope that I had for anybody um, I didn't expect them to get as far as they did. Then again, that was one of the teams that I did like the little research on. So, you know, I was happy for them because Texas Tech, I sort of always associate with their uh, their football roster um, as opposed to their um, basketball team. Um, but I, I was excited because it's different. They're not really in the March Madness tournament as often, you know, as... They are playing and competing in football games. Um, so, you know, like, the fact that they were able to get as far as they did in the tournament uh, was very cool. Um, so, overall, I think this tournament was a very good one. Um, I know that there are a lot of people boohooing about the fact that their favorite team didn't make it all the way. Um, I I was definitely shocked when Auburn beat us. Um when we made it to 16. Uh, so that was disappointing, and I'm still, you know, like, a little bit, you know, like, taken aback by it. But, you know, it is what it is. We're a good team, and we're going to recover, you know. Like, that's what Tar Heels do. Um, so that is all for March Madness, and now we are going to talk about uh, the NFL and my mock draft. So one of these, I have two different mock drafts. I have one that is more um, a way of simulating what I think will actually happen um, in the first round of the NFL draft. And then the other one is one that's more centered around uh, picks that I think would be good for the team, but as well who I could envision in that uniform and also like it there's a tad of realism to it like what where i could see people going um so i'm gonna do the one that is simulating the real life draft first off um and i don't think i'm gonna analyze all of these i think i'm gonna do that more um if i have something on there i will read off why i think it is the way i do um so, first off is the Arizona Cardinals, and we have them taking Kyler Murray, quarterback out of Oklahoma, number one. Now, uh, for Kyler Murray, his diminutive stature has been the talking point of many uh, people in this whole NFL draft situation. Um, I think that Kyler Murray is a very talented quarterback. He has a powerful arm, if you've seen any sort of uh, highlight footage from him. Uh, he is also a very quick quarterback. 
Um, he has a package, you know, like, the ceiling on him is so high. Um, do I think he's going to perform to that ceiling? I hope so. Um, but, like, I'm not going to say anything beyond that. So I am going to be cautiously optimistic. Um, now, if the Arizona Cardinals do take Kyler Murray, does that mean they'll be dealing uh, Josh Rosen somewhere else? And the likelihood is yes. You do not want to create a cognitive dissonance within your organization about who's going to be the number one quarterback, who's going to have to sit back. Um, Josh Rosen, you you've went on record and said that this is your guy. And now there are rumors that you're still going to be taking Kyler Murray number one. It is not good. You need to um, address these issues before the draft even happens. Um, you need to make it clear, um, but you've already muddied the waters. So that's a little bit of a bad um, move on Arizona's part. I wish they would have handled this a little bit better. Um, then again, I am not their general manager. I am not their coach. I am in no way affiliated with Arizona Cardinals, although if you want, Arizona, call me. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I wish the Cardinals the best because I really wanted them to... Um, that year that they were facing the Steelers uh, in the Bowl, I want that sort of team to be back. Um, the NFC West needs that. Um, and then... So the San Francisco 49ers have the second pick in the NFL draft, and I think that they will select Nick Bosa, defensive end out of Ohio State. Now, why do I think that Nick Bosa will be a good pick for him, a pick for them? Um, with the combination of Solomon Thomas and now D Ford, um, I really think that Nick Bosa is a good fit for them, uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, given the fact that you need a guy who is going to be disruptive on the defensive line. Um, he is a very dangerous combination of, uh, power and speed. I think that he's going to get to the line, uh, get behind the offensive line a lot, uh, make sacks, and he will also disrupt the running game. Um... So, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, do I think he's the fastest defensive end in the Sears draft? Absolutely not. Um, do I think, though, that he has a nice... He, he has a nice, robust uh, set of skills that I think is going to work for any organization wherever he goes, um, just like his brother Joey for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um Moving on to number three, the New York Jets select Josh Allen, edge rusher out of Kentucky. I really like this kid. Um, I I know I probably shouldn't be saying kid because he's probably about the closest thing to a contemporary as I am. He's probably around the same age. I mean, I just graduated college in 2018. Uh, so uh, Josh Allen, edge rusher out of Kentucky. Uh, he is perhaps one of the most explosive uh, edge rushers that I've seen this year, edge rusher, defensive end, it's sort of interchangeable. The only thing I think that distinguishes an edge rusher is that they can play either defensive end or linebacker. Um, but, so, Josh Allen, he, like, you just watched the footage of him, and he is getting behind the line of scrimmage constantly, and just, you know, like, 
making plays. He's going to definitely... I think that the New York Jets is a very exciting um, group of individuals that he'll be working with. Um, And when you pair that with Jamal Adams uh, playing corner, um, you have a defensive line that's going to be very good once you maybe add a few more pieces. Um, I don't think it's going to be great right away, but I think it's going to get better and that it's going to improve with a few more additional uh, players. But Josh Allen is definitely going to be the forefront of that. Um, So next we have the Oakland Raiders selecting Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, Honestly, I just think that this is probably the best... Uh, player that you can get um, in the slot, you know, I think that they are going to be um, best player available for this first pick, Um, mainly just because I do not really understand what's going on with the general management in Oakland. Um, So I think that, you know, uh, I think that he will be a solid defensive tackle for them. They really need pieces everywhere. Um, so, you know, good luck to Oakland, whatever they do. Uh, Quentin Williams, I think that he is a very, you know, he is a very, uh, what's another synonym for powerful? He's a, he's like a Titan at defensive tackle. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, wherever he, wherever he lands, this is just a mock draft. Uh, so next we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, selecting Montez Sweat, defensive end, out of Mississippi State. Uh, now, I think that this is probably, you know, like it's not my ideal place for him. Uh, I think that he could work a lot better in a few different systems. Um, but Tampa Bay, they desperately need, like, edge and people on the defensive line. Uh, so, you know, you put Montez Sweat there. He ran a four four one, um, which, I mean, it's only eight, eight tenths of a second, like, less quick than DK Metcalf, who had a really fast, uh, fast run, fast 40 at the Combine. Um, and then, like, you look at his combine footage, and he is tearing through, uh, he's tearing through, like, the drills and everything, and, you know, he also, I mean, like, he's very quick-footed, he's very resilient, like, you, you saw him slip up in that combine footage, but then he, you know, got his footing back really quickly, um, and I think that, you know, he's gonna be a good fit, and... I think that Montez Sweat, you know, like he will be, uh, again, one of those people that wherever he goes, he is going to work. Um, so he reminds me a little bit of Julius Peppers. I should just throw that in there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, the New York Giants select Dwayne Haskins, quarterback out of Ohio State. Uh, why this could work? As we all know, Eli Manning is not getting any younger, and in recent years has been ambiguous ambiguous in his performance on the field nearing retirement age the giants need new blood at the quarterback submission uh position and fast and i do not think that their backup davis webb will suffice 
I could be wrong. He might not just have enough time. He hasn't had enough time to play yet, but that's just me. Um, Haskin was presented as a dual threat prior to the NFL Combine. However, his analytics and footage proved differently. Despite a certain lack of mobility that was originally expected, Haskins has good fund fundamentals with both his precision and arm strength. The real question lies in whether or not Haskins can perform with limited options on the field. Um, unless, of course, they can draft some players at the wide receiver position, um, wide receiver and tight end. Uh, so, I mean, Haskins, he is my favorite in terms of this first round of uh, potential quarterbacks. Although, um, I'm starting to grow a little bit on Drew Locke, to be honest. Uh, Drew Locke was not my favorite. Uh, mainly just because I think he has a powerful arm. I don't think he has a very precise arm. Uh, then again, you know, that can be helped with experience. Uh, so, but I think Haskins has the potential to be the best quarterback. He's the most NFL ready out of all of these quarterbacks uh, in the NFL draft, in my opinion. Uh, next, the Jacksonville Jagu Jaguars with the seventh pick select DK Metcalf, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, why I think this could work, the Jacksonville Jaguars did a fantastic job in securing what Duval believes to be... Wait, I didn't even do that right. I am from Jacksonville, so I should know how to do this. Duval believes to be their franchise quarterback in Nick Foles, former Super Bowl champ and MVP from the Philadelphia Eagles. In recent years, Jacksonville has been rebuilding, but has been lacking an established veteran at the quarterback position since the days of David Garrard and Chad Henney. And when I say established veteran, I mean veterans who can win games. Uh, sure, Boros was a veteran, but he was still very inexperienced, and he made some questionable choices on the field. Foles gives some more breathing room on the offensive side of the ball. However, the Jags should definitely be interesting, interested in giving him weapons to work with. Losing both Alan Hearns and Robin, Alan Robinson was a big blow for the Jags' receiving core. However, they have managed to find some promising talent in D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark, last year's draft pick from LSU. Um, what they lack on their receiving core is size and to a certain extent play playmaking ability. Um, enter DK Mac Metcalf, who at 6'3", 228, is built more like a tight end in the NFL than a receiver, and he ran a 4'3", 40 at the combine. Excuse me. Metcalf is a large target who you want going for jump balls in the corner of the end zone or contesting for a 30-40 yard pass downfield. At worst, I'd be a slot receiver. Um, he also seems to have some powerful legs that will be con conducive to breaking tackles in the NFL and continuing plays for more yardage. Uh, now, with the eighth pick, the Detroit Lions select Devin White, linebacker out of LSU. Um, I am really excited about this guy. Uh, just watching the combine footage, you uh, when they were running the drill where he... They're making him move left and right and diagonally across the field, and then you got to go this way and that way. It's wherever they're pointing. Um, and then they have you run back and catch the ball. I don't know what the name of that drill is because I am not a professional athlete um, or a coordinator or coach. Um, I am just doing this because I'm a lover of the game. Um you see all the different spots that he's hitting on the field and how quick he is, he is going to tear it up. You know, like, he's definitely going to need the right coaching behind him to figure it out, but I think that he's going to be one of those people that, like, immediately 
comes into the game and is, you know, a changer, a game changer, you know? Um, so the Detroit Lions, you know, they added Trey Flowers, they added Danny Amendola, they got Darius Slay in the secondary, um, you know, I, I think that really the places that they needed, they need to add more, um, talent is their linebacking core, um, because really, who do you have there? I don't know of anybody, um, doesn't mean that they don't have pieces, I, I just think that they could add more, you know, um, so Devin White, you know, I think he's one of those players that is going to come in day one, he's going to be determined, and he's just going to get things done, um, so that's why I have him going number eight to the Detroit Lions, realistically, um, now this doesn't mean that there's going to be, um, a different result, so we're just going to go through and try and get done with some of this faster, I'm going to try and, you know, get everything out, uh, so number nine, the Buffalo Bills, with the Number nine pick in the first round of the NFL draft, so like TJ Hogginson, tight end out of Iowa. Um, I'm not completely sold on this guy. I think that he could go way later in the draft, but this is where I pegged him realistically going uh, based on what I've heard from different sources uh, watching the combine and everything. They A lot of teams are really sold on this guy. Uh, the Buffalo Bills took a gigantic risk by choosing quarterback Josh Allen from the University of Wyoming but he did display a gleam of potential in his rookie season. Uh, there was some controversy when Allen and Peterman battled string and Peterman caved under the pressure. It's no longer going to be an issue because he ended up signing with the Oakland Raiders. However, since the Joe Kelly era, the Buffalo Bills have always been subpar at best. No offense, Bills fans. Why? Because even when they have had a talented quarterback, i.e. Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe even Tyler Taylor, the QB has not had the correct pieces to sustain offensive success. Many mock drafts project the Buffalo Bills to select an offensive tackle in the first round. However, with the depth of offensive line talent in this NFL draft, I could see the Bills trading up to attain a skilled lineman. Hawkinson provides a rare quality in a tight end who can just be a play playmaker receiving the ball but can also influence the game as a solid run blocker uh so next is drew Locke, quarterback out of missouri why this could work uh despite the forming signing of former ravens quarterback joe flacco questions have been raised as to how elite of a quarterback he really is and has been known to create issues with team morale uh i.e his mentoring of lamar jackson quote-unquote mentoring uh, have a solid defense and skilled linebacker core, including Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, as well as the acquisition of Bryce Callahan, Bears cornerback. However, this draft class has plenty of talent on the defensive side of the ball, whereas the offensive side is a bit more sparing. Locke has a powerful arm, great for making passes for big chunks of yardage, but still needs to improve his precision. With that being said, his upside is high, and Locke could provide a franchise quarterback for years to come if developed right. Uh, the Washington Redskins uh, trade up via the Cincinnati betting goals. That is what I predict to happen. Um, and they, I see them selecting Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama. People, uh, Why this could work, people might be critical of me for making this hypothetical trade for my mock draft. Stakes are high for the Cincinnati Bengals to get better considering the amount of talent on their team. 
Andy Dalton, Tyler Eifert, and Giovanni Bernard on offense, all guys who performed well in college and translated decently to the league, and how well they've been performing recently. Uh, the Redskins are in a similar boat, except now they need talent more than ever, with the losses of wide receiver Jamison Crowder to the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers acquiring Preston Smith in free agency. With that being said, both teams need tons of help, so how would both teams benefit from this trade and which pieces would be moved? So, ranked 28th in the league in passing yards last season, Washington is in need of a strong receiving core to bolster their team's offense. The Cincinnati Bengals have one of the most dependable options at wide receiver in A.J. Green, and therefore, I can see a scenario in which the Redskins make deal for Green in return for a 2020 first-round draft pick, or dealing multiple second-round picks and another player. Inversely, the Bengals were in the bottom 8th of the league in sacks and need a consistent pass rusher. I believe acquiring Ryan Kerrigan of the Washington Redskins would be an excellent move, giving the Bengals a more threatening presence against the pass. In addition to this, neither team plays in the same conference, therefore they don't have to be concerned with the potential impact of losing to their opponent in conference games. But how does this relate to their draft pick? Jonah Williams is an excellent prospect position who can help fortify the Redskins' O-line, thus opening up more opportunities for Adrian Peterson and Darius Juice to have big runs, giving Alex Smith, or a potential new QB, even greater opportunities for the passing game. With this trade-draft-pick combo, the Redskins' offense becomes more reliable and thus increasingly effective. Um, so we're just going to keep moving. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, with the 12th pick in the NFL draft, select Greedy Williams, cornerback out of LSU. With the 13th pick, Miami Dolphins select Marquise Brown, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, I really love how fast this guy, this guy has, uh, how fast this guy is. He has a tremendous um, talent for his, well, a tremendous amount of agility uh, for a wide receiver. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but... The cousin of Antonio Brown. Let's hope that you know he has. He's shown that he has a lot of talent, um, and hopefully that will translate well. I just hope he's not as cocky as his cousin. Um, next, we have the Atlanta Falcons with the 14th pick, selecting Clellan Farrell, uh, defensive end out of Clemson. Uh, then, a lot of people are sold on this guy. I'm not as much. The Cincinnati Bengals trade down via the Washington Redskins and select Rashawn Gary, defensive end out of Michigan. Uh, now, a lot of people are saying that this guy is going to go high, mainly because of uh, just like how freakish of an athlete he is for his size and height and everything, uh, that they don't build people like him. Uh, so, I mean, yes, that's all true, but... Most importantly, I think you should be looking for skill, not just how much of an exception someone is. Um, so, moving on, we are going to go to number 16, and I think the Carolina Panthers select Nikhil Harry, wide receiver out of Arizona State. Why I like this, uh, you had Devin Funches move to the Indianapolis Colts at the end of, at the, end of the season uh, because of free agency. Uh, and now you have DJ Moore, who is really their only option that I have, because I don't watch a whole lot of Panthers football, if I'm being honest. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that Nikhil Harry, you know, he has 
a deadly combination of size and speed. Uh, DK Metcalf, I think, is a little bit overrated. I don't think he's the most talented receiver in this draft, which I know is going to shock a lot of people. I think Nikhil Harry has more of a chance to be successful in this league. I think that a lot of these analogies of uh, DK Metcalf essentially being like a balloon that's going to pop any minute because of just how often he works out. And no offense, like his workout regimen is something to be proud of. Uh, but I think that like at that size, you're not really going to be an effective wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, but that's just me. I... Again, this is a guy that, you know, played YMCA flag football and basketball, but that was sort of the extent of my uh, sports career. Uh, so I could definitely be wrong about that. Next, the Buffalo Bills, uh, in a trade-up via the Cleveland Browns, select Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. Um, so what I like about this guy, he was injured during the combat combine he still performed remarkably well uh really fast feet uh you know he he let the rusher get past him uh but it was mainly because he was injured he still tried to take away as much room as possible uh during the drill at the combine um so Jawan taylor hats off to him i hope that he has a very successful career um, and why this could work. Josh Allen showed promise last year, passing for almost 3,000 yards um, in his rookie season. And he proved that he is more mobile than perceived. With that, Allen needs protection, though I think that there are more talented offensive, line, offensive linemen in this year's draft, Andre Dillard and Garrett Bradbury being examples of this. I question the decision-making of the general management, therefore I th think it makes me more apt to think they would take Jawan Taylor, but perhaps I should give the GM more credit uh, for picking Allen, unless, of course, what we've seen of him is just a flash in the pan. Now, most sports fans might be wondering, what would the Browns get out of a trade to the Bills? Since the Bills would be trading down, the Browns would receive a higher draft pick in this year's draft, meaning a chance of potentially more skilled player. In addition to this, I could see a scenario in which uh, Tredavious White, who is a really, actually, a very good shutdown corner, um... I think that they could make a deal, and that would make his uh, make their secondary a lot stronger. Uh, next, the Minnesota Vikings select Andre Dillard, offensive tackle out of Washington. Um, pretty self-explanatory. The Minnesota Vikings they have Dalvin Cook uh, at running back. They need a guy to help bolster that offensive line. Andre Dillard, another guy with very quick feet. Um, I think that he um, is probably the most talented tackle out of this year's offensive line class. Um, and I'm really excited to see where this guy goes. Uh, Tennessee Titans, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston uh, with the 19th pick. The Titans select Ed Oliver. Um, this guy, he had the most reps out of any defensive lineman in the NFL combine this year from what i remember uh, watching out of the highlight footage um i, I mean tennessee titans you guys want to get better um you guys are trying to be the patriots of the south um and i think that d-line is what you guys should focus on um 
obviously you have Brian Arakpo leaving, so you might want to draft a linebacker. Um, but I think defensive line is definitely something that you should be aware of um, when you're drafting this year. Um, so next, the Seattle Seahawks select Dexter Lawrence to tackle out of Clemson. I could see this guy going way earlier than 21. Uh, it's just the amount of talent in this year's draft class might push him a little bit lower. Um, and then we are going to go to number 22, Ja'Kai Polite, linebacker out of Florida. Um, obvious reasons, you lose C.J. Mosley and you've lost, uh, you've lost C.J. Mosley and Terrell Suggs, so you are going to need to do some reinventing of your linebacking core. Um, then 23, Houston Texans, Cody Ford, guard, tackle out of Oklahoma. You need somebody to help protect Deshaun Watson. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. That's all you get. Um, next, Oakland Raiders, and this would be a, like a huge steal. Um, Noah Fant, tight end out of Iowa. Uh, why this makes sense, with Jared Cook's contract expiring and joining the Saints, Amari Cooper moving to the Dallas Cowboys, and Jordy Nelson's retirement, the Raiders are in desperate need of offensive playmakers. Noah Fant, in my opinion, is the most exciting tight end prospect in this year's draft. Despite his collegiate teammate Hawkinson's ability to run block, Fant will compensate for his blocking with extraordinary receiving skills. For tight ends, Fant is surprisingly quick and will provide a great target for Derek Carr. What I like about him, just his speed as a tight end, and then also his great hands. I think that he is going to be a playmaker that excels in the NFL. Um, next, we have at number 25, the Philadelphia Eagles select Josh Jacobs, running back out of Alabama. And I'm going to sip some water because I noticed my voice getting a little bit hoarse. With the 25th pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Josh Jacobs running back out of Alabama. Um, they need a running back who is able to stay healthy. I love Jay Ajayi, but the man has trouble uh, with you know staying 100% all the time. The Indianapolis Colts select... Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson with the 26th pick in the NFL draft. Uh, then the Oakland Raiders select Taylor Rapp, safety out of Washington with the 27th pick. Uh, then my boys, the Los Angeles Chargers with the 28th pick in the NFL draft select Nasir Adderley, safety out of Delaware. Where? Delaware. Um, with 29, the Kansas City Chiefs select Brian Burns, defensive end out of Florida State. Why this makes sense? After losing D. Ford to the San Francisco 49ers and Justin Houston to the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Jones is one of the few pieces, perhaps the only remaining piece, that is relevant to the Chiefs' pass rush. Burns would add a much-needed intensity to the defensive line. In addition to this, the signing of Tyron Matthew makes the Chiefs' secondary a tad stronger, and with a highly defensive draft, it would make a little bit more sense for them to go D-line and then worry about secondary, maybe the second or third round. Um, then, uh, what I what I just love about Brian Burns, which I wasn't really sold much on him uh, when first making this draft, was 
that he is just a guy that puts in 110% effort. When I saw that combine footage and him chase down that ball for the interception, um, that is what sold me on that guy. He is going to put in exactly what you want uh, come game time. So number 30, the Green Bay Packers select Jerry Tillery, defensive tackle out of Notre Dame, baby. Um, Jerry Tillery was one of those guys, uh, me speaking as a Notre Dame fan, you... Um, that was highly underrated, um, very, very instrumental in our success going 12 and 0 last season before losing to the Clemson Tigers in the bowl game that we played. Uh, so I, you know, I hope that he would be able to make a difference, uh, for whatever team that he ends up going to. Uh, also he showed a lot of great with how he performed in the bench press this year if you watched any of the footage um during the combine so that's what i like about him and i think that he's strong he's not the quickest guy ever but uh i think that he's going to make up for what he does with just uh the hard work that he puts in on the field and his strength um so next, number 31, the Los Angeles Rams select Garrett Bradbury, center out of NC State. Uh, why this makes sense, the Rams made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley wasn't 100% healthy, but you got, you need to get protection uh, for Jared Goff on the offensive line as well as Todd Gurley. Um, and the fact that you know, like, you have a bunch of playmakers, but if your offensive line isn't in collapses as a result of it, it's one of the most underrated things, but it's one of the most relevant things that makes any team successful. Um, so, to close out, uh, we have number 32, uh, the New England Patriots selecting Irv Smith Jr., tight end out of Alabama. What, what I like about this guy, really, really quick, um, he's a really quick guy. Uh, he has great hands, just like Noah Fant. I would say he's a little bit less, um, talented than Fant, but that, I think that he still has a lot of potential. Um, and with the New England Patriots and Rob Gronkowski retiring, uh, I think that this makes perfect sense. He's one of those, um, players that, uh, with Al Bram. Alabama and their prestige, um, I think they know how to train guys, um, and I think that he is one of those people that is like the prototypical mold for uh, what you want if you're a Patriots fan. So um, I am actually going to close the show there, uh, and I will give my mock draft 2.0 what I think the team should do. Uh, maybe a little bit later in this month. Uh, but for that, I am Joshua Garvin. This was the Winter Circle Podcast, Episode 10. I am very grateful for those who have stuck with me um, with all of my issues with coordination, uh, coordinating my schedule in order to make these episodes work. Uh, I have been failing to give you guys